over here. Oh, hello, Barry Badger. How are you today? Oh, thanks for asking. I'm, you know, I'm nervous about the battle, but I'm finding that there's something that calms me down. What helps you feel at ease at these trying times of tension and war? Well, you know, I'm thinking about Aslan, and that helps calm me down. Yes, praise our holy war chief. Yes, oh, hell, well met, friend, yes. But you were saying, Mr. Badger, that you had been thinking about Aslan? Well, you know, he's been a presence that's been comforting me throughout my whole life. You know, like, I feel like he was there even at my birth. I feel like I've known him my entire existence. Well, that that actually makes sense, because what wasn't he there? Oh, I guess you're right. Aslan was there at my birth, just like anybody else. Yeah, I mean, Aslan was there at all of our births. That's like a thing that he does for Narnians. Right, right. But still, I, I feel like it's nice to feel his presence. Yeah, like when he's not there, he's he's like still Yeah. there. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Like when uh when when I'm walking in the woods a lot, it, it like I feel like he like he's out there. Yeah, you can like feel him around you. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's because he is out there in the woods. Like, he lives there, and he's stalking there all the time. Like, Aslan is always in the woods. Yeah. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. But, you know, you guys are reminding me that last night I had this dream. And in the dream, I was picturing this beach that I walk along, right? Yeah. And I always see eight footprints in the sand. Because, you know, I'm a centaur. And also Aslan is walking with me. In the sand. Yeah. That's beautiful. But, you know, then I was thinking about, like, all the hardest times in my life. And that's when I've only seen four footprints in the sand. And so yesterday I went up to Aslan. I was like, hey, Aslan, you said you're going to be there for me. Why are there only four footprints when things are really hard? And he said, well, that's the thing, Sam the Centaur. I'm carrying you in those times. Wow. Oh, that's just amazing. Incredible. So you, Sam the Centaur, are riding on Aslan the Lion. Yes, exactly. Wow. That's powerful. I mean, he is. He's a very powerful cat. Yes. Oh, it's his mighty call. It's Aslan. Yeah, we better get to battle, guys. Sounds like a plan. Our cat is an awesome cat. He roars from Narnia. fantasy fans and welcome to swords and satire the podcast where we turn low fantasy into high art 
I'm your dungeon manager, Jamie Molkel. My pronouns are he and him, and I am here with my whimsical co-hosts. I'm Cassidy. My pronouns are they, them. And I'm a gnome, conspicuously not appearing in this film. Oh, did they cut you out? They wrote us out of Narnian history. That fucking sucks. It's a big controversy. What's up with this erasure? You know, people say you can't have more than one race that is of a certain size. That is really fucked up, actually. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. So there's more humans here, so the elves were written out, too. There's elves in Narnia? Yeah. But they they are a minority compared to the humans because the Telmarines came in. Fucking C.S. Lewis, man. Yeah. Subjugated people. It's not cool. It's true. We're here. You can't erase us. Every day we pray to Aslan and just he doesn't meow back. He wants us to fix things for ourselves first. Oh, I can, I can see that. He helps those who help themselves. We can't expect the lion to do all the work. <laughs> <laughs> but who are you? Well, I'm Jack Olander. My pronouns are any and all. And uh, I was on my way to pick up my, my dry cleaning. I had, a, I had a, a blanket with a lot of my dog's hair on it. Mm-hmm. It was getting a little smelly, a little dirty. I had to take it to go get dry cleaned. And uh, I dropped it off. I was worried it was going to be expensive, but it it actually ended up being pretty affordable. Like 30 bucks for a big down comforter covered in dog hair. Okay. Yeah. Not that bad. But the darndest thing. Okay. <laughs> On my way to pick up the blanket, I wound up in heckin' Narnia. <laughs> So it had nothing to do with actually, like, you didn't, like, fall through the dry cleaning machine or, like, get sucked into a uh, clothes dryer or anything. Well, I was on I-80, and I I was taking the off-ramp onto 580. Don't dox yourself. But, you know, sometimes you you autopilot when you're driving, and then, wouldn't you know it, I I just took the wrong turn. Now I'm on... N580, which stands for Narnia. <laughs> right. And, well, let's just say, I don't know a lot of people around there. So time moves pretty quickly there. So you're saying in Narnia, it's kind of like similar to our style of civilization now? Yeah. I would say yeah. it's probably like way farther, right? Like these books were written in the 60s or something? Look, uh, I don't know. I don't know all the answers here, but I know this. Aslan works in mysterious ways. <laughs> okay. That's true. That's true. The lion yeah. works in mysterious ways. That's right. Yeah, it's not for us to ever know, for sure. True. And we don't have control over when we're pulled into Narnia or kicked out. Mm-hmm. It's all up to Aslan. I've been kicked out of better fantasy worlds than Narnia. Oh, shit. I guess we're going to have to talk about that sometime. You're keeping secrets over there. Well, one thing I won't keep secret is that this week we are going to be talking about the Chronicles of Narnia 2, colon, Prince Caspian. Oh, yeah, it is the second one. It is the second one. Wow, that must have been a bombshell for the listeners, realizing we're talking about Narnia. Yeah, probably a huge (laughs) unexpected swerve on them. Except it's in the title of the episode. Episode of what? 
<laughs> just imagine someone in their car going, it's what? And swerving. <laughs> 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 Hopefully not. However, we appreciate how enthused you are about our program. We do, yes. yeah. So I'm really excited to talk to you guys about this movie. Let's get some quick details out of the way. This is a 2008 fantasy film directed by Andrew Adamson. And it stars a bunch of kids. And also like Ben Barnes and Liam Neeson. But I guess Ben Barnes was a kid when he made this movie. Also, Peter Dinklage. That's correct. Yes. And Warwick Davies is also in this. Yes. Yes. So a lot of returning alums like Aslan the Lion returning from the previous Narnia (laughs) movie. Ben Barnes returning to Swords and Satire from Seventh Son. Peter Dinklage returning from... Have you ever watched a Dinklage movie? No. Elf. Elf. Thank you, Jack. Warwick Davis from Willow. Willow. And probably a bunch of stuff we've watched. Not for the show yet, although we might cover those wizard movies at some point. No oh boy. I'm feeling like this might be the year to start. I'm feeling uh, ready. Wizard movies? Oh, boy. Oh! <laughs> I, I mean, I'm down. I think it's time. Oh, boy. We've been silent, conspicuously silent on them for too long. I guess this would have been the month to do it, but... The patrons would love it. All right, but, um... I think it's about time we summarize the movie we watched for this week. All right, yeah, I've got my summary right here. Let's see. Um, Narnia happens. Hey, that's pretty good. (laughs) Whimsical shit. (laughs) So we start with, uh, in the beginning, there was the word, and the word was cat. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's keep going with this. That's good. I like that, Jack. (laughs) The lion did say, let there be... Yeah, what do you, lions eat? Like elk? Antelope? I don't know if he eats in this. I don't know if he poops. <laughs> the Lord need not poop. The the Lord need not soil. Yes, the cat. The uh the lion. The lion. <laughs> uh yes. He he uh, made Narnia and it was good. <laughs> he made London and it it was there. It, it's certainly there. It's it exists. Yeah. <laughs> there are people living in it. Including the four siblings. The penises. Is that what they're called? The pensives. Nope, that's the thing from Harry Potter. Is it? The pensive. Wow. (laughs) What's the orb from Lord of the Rings called? The permiscuous. (laughs) Palantir. The palantir. Ooh, the palenta. No. The Peavises, right? Pevinses. Pevinses. The Pevinses. <laughs> well, we got there eventually. The fucking patriarch. The Pevinses. Their names are Lucy, Edmund, Susan, and Peter. Which one is the cool one? Edmund. Oh, I thought you were going to say Lucy. Well, she's cool too. I didn't have an answer. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Aslan. <laughs> <laughs> Peter Dinklage's character is pretty cool. Yeah. 
they're called back to Narnia because somebody blew on a magic horn. Right. That's how I get back to Narnia. Turns out that was Prince Caspian. So let's let's just boil this down here. It's a family feud. The the Telemarines are a group of people. I think they were Spanish Muslims. Maybe, maybe. they seem like, like pirates and explorers. They're absolutely Spanish people, but it, we suspect they were Muslim Spain. Yeah. Uh, they were sailing and got to an island and kind of did a whoopsie doopsie and ended up in Narnia. I'd be pretty angry if it were me. Fail. <laughs> I don't know if I can say their name. Yeah, that's a whoopsie. That's a big fail. So by the time the siblings get back to Narnia, they've been gone for 1,300 years. Is that all? The Telmarines have an established human civilization of of like the Spanish Renaissance level, something like that. Yeah, I'd say that's pretty much in line with it. Um, And so Prince Caspian is uh, one of these people. He is next in line to be king. His father had been killed recently. Um, his uncle, who has an, uh, a son, wants to kill him. It's kind of involved for a kid's movie, so just hold tight here. Uh, Prince Caspian gets away with the help of his trusted... Professor. Professor friend. Always trust the professor. I don't know his name. Professor. Professor friend. (laughs) And, uh, he runs to the forest, which everybody's afraid of, and there's actually Narnians still alive there. The Narnians are now a minority because the humans have been trying to kill them off. Well, they're certainly a repressed class. Yeah. I think there are more of them than there are humans. It's not very clear. Not mm-hmm. shown in this film. Oh, okay. Well, When the humans wipe out a significant number of the species on a planet. So you're telling me that these yep. Telmarines reverse engineered our Earth. Yeah. So things were always magical in Narnia in the past. Like even the trees had personalities and like could move and sing. But the Telmarines were around for so long that their human mundanity is infecting Narnia (laughs) and sapping all the magic out of the land. That's what happened to me. So the siblings help the Narnians and Prince Caspian basically fight back against Caspian's uncle. I don't remember his name. Miraz. And, uh, yeah, he, he's... Everybody in their civilization, the Telmarines, is kind of backstabby. It's like their favorite thing. Medieval so, um, Europe looking ass. Nobody's really loyal to anybody. It's a real Game of Thrones out there. Yes. But, uh, Prince Caspian has been brought up to be a good guy. He's basically raised by the professor dude who turns out was part Narnian himself. On his mother's side. <clears throat> yeah. Yes. And uh, so he raised him to be accepting and tolerant of those that are different from him rather than prejudiced. What a novel concept. And um, they basically try to siege the castle they're killed, and they have to retreat, the Narnians. Um, I mean, some of them get away. They're not all killed. Yeah, yeah. Some of them get away. 
they, if you have a name, if your character has a, like a name, you get out. They regroup at Aslan's tomb, which has been made into like a burial mound that's like almost like a fortress. It's like a holy site. And uh, a reliquary. There's a battle there. And um, then Catus Ex Machina happens, and Aslan yes. shows up at the last minute when things are looking really dire. And brings the trees back to life. Wait, is there a battle there, or is it just a sword fight? There's a sword fight, then a battle. Oh, does the battle? I guess I thought the, I think the battle mostly taking place at the bridge. It ends at the bridge. Yeah. And then they fight off the Telmarines well enough so that they retreat. And then yeah, they go back to the bridge at the river. They're trying to like basically retreat so they can fight back and take over Narnia but then Aslan wakes up the river demon and yes. um it basically eats Miraz's betrayers betrayers <laughs> and unfortunately the horse is dead too which I did not like eaten by the river yeah. Who knows what happens to you? Now, Cass, you're forgetting an important detail. We have like a 30-minute dueling sequence between Mraz and one of the Pevensies. And then after they kill Mraz, his men are just like, yeah, we're just going to like go along with the plan anyways. We we hate that guy, but also we want to kill the Narnians. It's really unclear why. Um, Yeah, after they all give up, the Telmarines, with because Aslan's there and he's a god. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's like the god of this world is literally like, hey, stop being a dick. I'm Liam Neeson. Uh, there's a time yeah. of peace where the Telmarines and the Narnians live together in their citadel. And uh, then Aslan's like, hey, any of you want to go back to Earth? Because I can do that because I'm a god. Hey, do you want to live in this place with, like, magic and cool crap and, like, talking animals? Or do you want to go live on Earth? Where yeah. you can, uh, drive a car. Can they? He's putting them on an island and saying, like, you'll basically live an isolated life away from all the rest of humanity. Which, now that I think about it, that sounds pretty good. Can you imagine people in, like, the 50s and 60s just finding a medieval Spanish <laughs> civilization? Just like, what in a god? If what that, in the Aslan? <laughs> if that's not the sequel to this film, I'm going to be massively disappointed. Yeah. I think he's a Time Lord Aslan, so I think he can send them back to whenever they came from. Excuse me, Cass? Time Lion? Time Lion. You're at, wow. Wow to that pun, and yeah, I think you're right, Cass. Um, also, there was one other thing we forgot. There's one point when one of the dwarves played by Warwick Davies uh, tries to tempt Prince Caspian to bring back the Snow Queen. The White and Witch. It almost works. Uh, and she's there trying to tempt him from an ice layer. But yeah, then, always trust the chick who's talking to you through the ice. Then Edmund just like swords her through the heart from the other side of the mirror. Yup, that kills people. <laughs> I th I don't think she's really dead. I think she's just banished. Again. Yeah. She's inside of all of our hearts. Yeah, she's uh, like kind of evil personified. She can't really die. As long as there's bad in your hearts, I'll always be there. Aw. That's Tilda Swinton talking. Or <laughs> not, not the White Queen. <laughs> well, I think that's about it for now. Wow, what a summary. 
then we should probably move into the delve. Welcome to the Delve, where we venture deep into the themes, scenes, and lore of the Chronicles of Narnia, colon, Prince Caspian. So, guys, Aslan. Okay. Yes, the Lord and Lion himself. <laughs> He's, the Lion and Savior? Yes. He's a magical cat. Oh, oh no. God. Oh, no. <laughs> That's all I had to say. I'm leaving. <laughs> you... You can't do this to us. We're already traumatized. I didn't even say the words, this, but you know it. This podcast is over. I'm deleting the episode. Click. This world was made and is run by a magical cat. A jellical cat. Oh, fuck. It makes so much sense because he can re unmake and remake reality at his whim. <laughs> Just like a jellical cat. He's not Catholic. But he's catlick. Uh, uh. And cats lick themselves a lot. They do. And it's a holy thing when he does it. But somehow they don't feel shame. No. Oh my god. Do you think the jellical cats of cats <laughs> worship Aslan? Yeah. Well, there are statues of Bastet from Egyptian mythology. So that's a yes. Yes. <laughs> Well, guys, that's a great episode. Hail Crom. Yeah. <laughs> um, I also have something here. I need you to help me understand how time works. Oh, okay. So there's these things called seconds, right? Uh-huh. And there's about 60 of them in a minute. Roughly, okay. give or take. Okay. All right. How long is a second? Uh, It's a second long. Oh, all right. It's <laughs> one sixtieth of a minute. Thank you. Um, <laughs> for okay, answering cool. your own question. But what about time? Right. Uh, I see our confusion here. What about time in Narnia, though? Because fuck all. When in the first movie, they're gone for like twenty years, and it's been like an hour, or or maybe a few hours in like normal reality. That's right. They're in Narnia long enough for them to all grow up. Have families, like, develop relationships, have loved ones, gain 20 years of, like, new knowledge and experience, and then come back to Earth and become kids again. Yes, but they don't have families because C.S. Lewis is a coward and doesn't have them having sex or having families or or, uh, descendants, which would have been so fucking cool. If they come back and meet their own descendants. Now, here's additional reasoning as to why C.S. Lewis is a coward. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I'm here for it. Because there are only four, count them, four humans in Narnia at the time. So when are they going to get down with the centaurs or the satyrs? So let me me just be clear. C.S. Lewis, who I believe was a surviving soldier from World War II... Is a coward. They didn't. He, he didn't write about the people having sex with the horse people. Okay, I yeah, think yeah. he's intellectually cowardly. That's okay, what I'm saying. That's fair. Or creatively, that's fair. however you want to put it. Sure, it- he'll shoot a motherfucker, <laughs> but he won't write the hard hitting stuff. Okay, that's fair. I mean, 
he has the humans who get to Narnia in the second one have sex. There's a there's kids. Now look, there's a quote from the movie. Oh no. Courage is not being able to take someone's life. It's <laughs> knowing when to write about children <laughs> growing up and having sex with animal people. <laughs> <laughs> You know, somehow throughout the melange of a movie that we watched, I missed that line. You know, there's yes. furry fanfic out there where this is a thing. That's monstrous. Mr. Tumnus's <laughs> wild ride. <laughs> that has to exist. It's out there somewhere. And Mr. Tumnus said, ooh, baby. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> He's not supposed to say that. And you know who he's talking to, right? I, you know what? For the sake of our show not being <laughs> investigated by any major law enforcement uh, group, I'm going to say the White Queen. Okay, well. Or the White Witch. Anybody who knows the series knows which of the siblings was his best friend, and I'll just leave it at that. I really don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Thank God, Aslan was on his way the second we started this conversation. Oh shit, we better move on. Um, so going back to my original question, um, so <laughs> wait, I thought this was no. So <laughs> in this movie, time does not work the same way because they've the siblings have been out of Narnia for one year, but it's been thirteen hundred years in Narnia. If time were working the same way it would be one day uh in our reality would be three and a half years or so in narnia so that's one day oh yes in I our see. reality now, to, to make it one year in our reality be 1300 years there so i did the math so i was gonna say thank you for doing the math for this ridiculous fantasy world yeah so it doesn't work for the math from the first movie. No. You're right. C.S. Lewis was an intellectual coward. He couldn't even do math. <laughs> <laughs> it's inconsistent, you guys. Aslan doesn't need to manipulate time in a consistent way, apparently. There you go. I Thank you, I think he's Jack. made time his bitch, is my point. That's right. Like uh, a cat, he just shredded it apart. Yeah. He knocked it off the table. Yeah. <laughs> The the hourglass. Yeah, he used his human feet to kick it off the table. Do you think the beings are aware of how much time has passed in Narnia? I don't think they care. They never go to the Earth. God, when do the Narnians come to Earth? Which book is that? How old are the dwarves in this setting? Wait a minute. I just realized that Warwick Davis is one of the dwarves that was following the White queen oh wow was he i thought he was Back a descendant in really was he not just a descendant maybe he was i don't think i don't think he was literally there it's been a long time has it, it, it been, <laughs> or has it been, been a, a very short time it's been a year <laughs> or has it been somewhere in between these different demarcations of time yes oh my god uh yeah so None of it matters. None of the time shit matters. Why Why all the arbitrary... They, it's just like whatever C.S. Lewis wanted it to be. None of it makes any sense. Oh, you mean like a little friend of his named J.R.R. Tolkien who did the same thing whenever they went to the elves? 
Oh, yeah. Like, we were there for like an hour or a week or 10 minutes or a month. What did that elf put in my drink? Oh, God. <laughs> that sounded really troubling when you were describing their perception of the passage of time. That's fair. <laughs> it happens to them in Lothlorien. I mean, can you imagine? And Rivendell. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine how disorienting that would feel? Kind of. <laughs> To not know if you spent an hour or weeks in a place? That'd be horrible. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, time isn't consistent in the series at all. There's no time for consistency is what I'm hearing. That's right. But anyway, 1,300 years have passed. Yeah. Now- In Narnia. <laughs> yes, during the time that the- End in this bit. During the time that the Pevensies- were rulers of Narnia. Yeah. Around that time is when the original Telmarines came to Narnia. And we know this because there's a line where they hear about Telmarines and they're like, Telmarines in Narnia, but don't they keep to their own, like, shit, man? They say it like that. Okay. <laughs> Perfect Narnian dialect there. And, uh... That's that's when they learn that the Telmarines have taken over pretty handily. So they are aware what ta who the Telmarines are as a people. So they knew about them when they were there before? Yes, they did. Oh, shit. I missed that. But they seem to have increased in size significantly in that time. Yeah. Now, here's the classic trope of civilization versus nature. Again. Because the Telmarines, who are an earthen culture in origin, yeah. like to just run amok and destroy all the beauty of nature. Classic humans. All the nature spirits which existed in Narnia, like we mentioned, the trees no longer dance, the rivers which were once like living spirits are now dormant. Animals are like more like animals we would expect to see in our earth. Or at least they're playing it. Or, like, so hungry that they're kind of becoming bestial again. Yeah. Yeah. And so, the world has diminished significantly in beautiful whimsy since medieval civilization started taking over. It used to be a high magic setting, and they're turning it into a low magic setting. That's right. Until Catus Ex Machina happens. That's right, which means cat in a box, which is a very common occurrence. <laughs> but yeah there are a lot of cutthroat politics in the Telmarines we already sort of mentioned it Caspian's dad was assassinated by Caspian's uncle Miraz and then when Miraz had his son and heir to the throne he, he tried to assassinate Caspian Caspian escapes <laughs> my least favorite part about this movie is the implication that given like, independence from human society and laws, humans will still reproduce hereditary monarchy. Yes, pa and patriarchy, and it's a lot of not good stuff. Medieval European society, at its finest, is still bad. Fairly sus. Yeah. So Caspian, he escapes and finds the Narnians. Yes. Immediately, the Narnians are like, What's up, king? King of Narnia, yeah. our king, Talmarine, outsider. Well, there's always this prophecy. We recognize your authority. Yeah. Yeah, there's always this prophecy, too, that, like, 
<laughs> they have to be led by a son of Adam, is how they put it. Yes. Right. Which is a human male, because this is- written, Sons of Adam and daughters of Eve. This is actually a Christian fantasy story. This is a fantasy story? <laughs> this is a Christian story? Yeah, because, well, Aslan is the god here. There's also, like, humans are descendants of Adam and Eve in this uh, universe. That's right. And so this beautiful world of beautiful whimsy has to be ruled by humans. Yeah. They're like, we give all of our power away to you. But let us not forget, the greatest evil force in the world appears as a human. The White Witch? Yeah. The Adversary. <laughs> Aslan appears as a lion, a beautiful, whimsical, golden lion. Yes. And he created the beautiful, whimsical land of whimsy. Right. And it has to be ruled by those who look like Satan herself. Yeah. Well, maybe they all, maybe humans just are modeled to look like Santa Claus. Wait. Who is a human in the setting. Yes. So does this mean in this universe of the Narnia Chronicles that Adam and Eve were created by Aslan? Yes. Oh my God. The Holy Quadrinity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that means humans were created by jellical cats. Yes. Yeah. Obviously. Now, real quick, guys, I talk a lot of crap about humans on our show, but there's one really cool thing that humans can do. <laughs> you mean we can do something besides shit and sleep and eat? <laughs> it turns out, yes, we can support podcasts. Oh, that's like supporting each other. Exactly. And if you're a human out there listening, or a sentient godlike lion, or whatever, you can go to patreon.com slash swordsandsatire and sign up to support our podcast. Oh, wow. I'd appreciate that. We all would. <laughs> now, what can you find on our Patreon? Well, random bystander, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> what? How did you get into our house? <laughs> Answer the question before things get uncomfortable. Oh, boy. Everyone who supports our show gets to vote on a movie we watch every month. And if you support us at higher donation levels every month, you get bonus episodes like outtakes or our rewriting history episodes where we come up with a sequel a reboot a spinoff or a crossover for one of the movies we talked about in the previous month everybody also gets duck art so that's pretty cool i mean that alone is reason to sign up i think i think so too that's right <laughs> so once again if you want to support the show head on over to patreon.com swords and satire and sign up to be our patrons and to be our friend. It's what awesome humans do. Hey, for Aslan. For Aslan. And now, back to the episode. So there is class struggle in this movie. Did the uh, film destroy a film industry like the last movie we watched? The Hobbit. <laughs> not that we know of. No, not that we know Oh, okay, you mean in the movie, the way it's supposed to be. Yes, yeah. that's right. Oh, do you hear that? As we begin to talk about class struggle, I hear the theme. 
the Narnians are made second-class citizens of their own homeland uh, while the humans take over. That's right. An invading force comes in, installs a fucking hereditary monarchy. Gross. Ew. Cringe. And pushes all of the native people to the peripheries of society, so much so that, like, some of them kind of regress to, like, an animalistic state. Right. Yeah, it's colonization. Yeah. Definitely. And, uh, so, to take a real harsh look at it, it's Spain doing it also. Okay. Spain did a lot of colonization in the Americas. Accurate. It's true. And the movie is pretty brutal with it. Uh, they are the the Talmarines are attempting to completely exterminate the Narnians, completely wipe them out, and uh, that you know that's not good. I'm not a fan of genocide. You know who colonized Narnia first, though? Our patrons, <laughs> Aslan, the Pevensies, the Penises. Because they established a hereditary monarchy, too. A sovereign monarchy. Yeah. Wow, good point. And you know what they are? Filthy English. Yeah. And the English... (laughs) 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 The English did a lot of colonizing themselves, too, all over the world. Boy, are there some Prussians here, too? We're going to get the whole Spirit Island invader list. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, just saying... Spain's not on the list yet. Just saying, humans make a habit of colonizing Narnia. European humans. And I find it convenient that the English colonization is portrayed in these stories as something that is noble and benevolent. Well, they accept the one true Aslan as their lion and savior. That's true. It's important to have it be known that in the Second World War, C.S. Lewis invaded Spain. (laughs) He did? At this point in time. Wait, no, that's not right. I don't know why he's doing this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and then... When the Spanish do it, suddenly they're villains. The Spanish Muslims. Yeah. I can't help but think about the like fact that Tolkien, who, for those who are unaware, was a friend of Lewis's. They were in a writing group together called the Inklings. And Tolkien actually converted Lewis to Christianity, but also was like, yeah, but your writing is like way too derivatively Christian. Mine is like elevated and mythological. (laughs) But in Tolkien's writing, he wanted to honor his, his nation of England by being like, oh yeah, my people are the hobbits. The quaint, fun, like people who just like to relax and eat breakfast. Like, no, dude, England has, like, conquered a bunch of nations. Like They're more co- like Mordor. Yeah, like, <laughs> colonization is, like, England's whole thing. They're seriously Mordor. We just had the queen die in the last year, and a bunch of countries were like, maybe we don't need a monarchy. I would say Western civilization is more like the dwarves than anything else. Yeah, let's hear it. I want to hear- talk about it. <laughs> well... Watching Chronicles of Narnia and Prince Caspian got me thinking about how humans are like Tolkien's dwarves. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'm here for it. They were besties, IRL. 
Yeah, well, I mean, the dwarves are... I mean, Tolkien and Lewis. The dwarves are about taking from nature and putting it to their advantage. Okay. And sometimes that is just for aesthetic purposes, like uh, mining gold, mining gems, uh, the accumulation of wealth. Yeah. It's a uh, it's a top-down hierarchical structure where people mine and they give the goods to the people at the top of the pyramid. Oh, no. Uh, it's trickle-up dwarfonomics. <laughs> it doesn't trickle-up. It flows up. Yes. Yeah. And every once in a while, the king of the dwarves will uh, get, you know... Gold sickness? <laughs> well, yeah, uh, I don't my know. metaphor doesn't work. Every once in a while, the king of the dwarves will whip it out and <laughs> oh my God. tinkle down on uh, his subservient... That storm elemental. Uh, Jamie, lower your, classes. your comparison fits with what was happening in my brain, which is sick. Um, <laughs> sick or sick? Like sick or like sick? Like disturbed. Okay. Um, Because I was thinking when you guys were talking about gold flowing upwards, I was thinking up the royal ass of the dwarves. <laughs> of course you were thinking that. And so if they're tinkling it out, it just works. <laughs> okay, sure. So... <laughs> there is an interesting thing that happens in this movie, though, with the dwarf, the unfortunately named Trumpkin. Oh, yeah. Who that's, is... That's uh, P Peter Dinklage, right? That's Peter Dinklage, yeah. Oh, we're talking about the right movie now. <laughs> so, like, his character is, like, an Aslan non-believer, yeah. right? And, like, the whole movie is like, oh, I don't know, Aslan's not really, like... He's not my lord and savior. Well, he's also saying, like, he doesn't exist. Yeah. I'm more of an agnostic, if you know what I mean. Yes. And then the end of the movie, when <laughs> Aslan legitimately shows up, like, of course, he's like, oh, yes. And now, let me terrify the non-believer into compliance. And, well, like, roars at him in this horrifying way. This was also after... <laughs> Trunkin had already bowed to Aslan. Yeah. Like, he's just really, like, just put in some mud in his eye. I think Aslan was pissed off that <laughs> Trunkin only believed in him when he saw him. You faithless fool. I know. It's like, how can you fault people for being skeptical and, like, wanting to see proof of something that it exists. I think that's pretty fair. That's not faith, Cass. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> Blessed are they who have not pet Aslan, but yet still <laughs> believe in him. <laughs> so does Aslan go to the heavy side layer? Is that like where he hangs out? Probably. Fuck, Jack, you've broken my brain. I mean, no, he he exists in the heavy side layer, but he also exists in each of us. Didn't and you see his face in the clouds at the end of Cats? I thought that was Lion King. <laughs> <laughs> is Aslan also Mufasa? I think so. Fuck. This is like connecting a lot of different The cat things. conspiracy. The cat conspiracy goes all the way to the top. It's all Disney. In the clouds. Right? Well, I see Aslan. Fuck, this movie uh, is Disney now. Disney owns the Narnia movies. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. I see Aslan in the faces of my best friends, in the laughter of a <laughs> newborn child. Oh. Do you see Aslan's paw in all of your, like, daily victories? Yes. When the sun glints off of the water, you know? Yes, exactly, yes. Uh, okay. Before we transition off, 
I want to touch a little bit more on the colonization by the Talmarines okay. in Narnia. Let's do it. Because that was intense, and we pivoted away pretty quick. We we glossed over the like blood quantum scene that happened. Oh shit! Let's talk about it. Because we mentioned that the professor is part Narnian. Oh yeah, and he is teaching Prince Caspian the stories of the Narnian people, and he reveals that the only reason the professor knows about these things are because it was passed down from his mother. He's part dwarf a few generations back. Right. Thank you. I forgot about that part. And it's just like he passes, quote unquote, as not Narnian. So he's able to live in the Talmarine society. Yeah. 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 Despite the fact that he's like half, I mean, he's probably quarter dwarf. Yeah. Something like that. He is like the size of a human. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, He's a little shorter. He has a big beard, but uh, he is able to like hold this privileged position and uh, he keeps his heritage a secret, but he keeps the traditions alive by riskily teaching this destined ruler. Which is a metaphor that works on multiple levels because that's also how early Christians kept their religion alive when they had to hide it from the Roman Empire. Yeah. And then Caspian learns about the indigenous culture and he goes and he becomes their ruler. I cannot help but feel it's like a white savior narrative. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Just because they're an oppressed indigenous civilization. Yes. That an outsider comes in and helps them fight back. The Pevensies are like the greatest heroes that have ever come. I mean, Aslan is like their god. The Pevensies are like angels, right? Like who Peter is like the greatest swordsman in history, according to some of the Narnians. But when he fights Miraz, he's kind of not that good. Miraz is kind of wipes the floor with him for the most part he was the greatest swordsman when he was like 35 and now Fair he's enough. like 17 15 or 16 yeah 16 so this like this movie also perpetuates this idea of like muscle memory versus like actual knowledge yeah yeah but i mean maybe he'd be a little rusty after not using a sword for a year but if he was that good he wouldn't just completely have forgotten everything and that's just magic logic. It just, okay, let's look at the idea of the humans coming in and being the saviors of the native population. Yes. Because the first time was when the White Witch was in control of everything. Satan, right? Yeah. <laughs> Tilda Swinton. Snow Satan. They have yeah. been living through like a hundred years of winter. That's right. The only thing <laughs> that could save them were humans from Earth. Yeah. And they do come in, they save the day, they're in charge. Conveniently, Aslan waited a hundred years to open the portal. That's right. He wanted the Narnians to, like, really feel what it was like without him, I think. Yeah, well, if you look at, like, the Old Testament, there's that thing where it's like, you know, sometimes the promised land is promised generations down the line. Right. It's like, okay, well... I would have liked to see it, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I think it's taking that sort of approach. Mm. Uh, so 
humans have to show up and defeat the White Witch, and they are great rulers until they're sent back home. Yeah, right. they're like noble and kind and good and all that stuff. Now, here's the thing. Generous. Everything, Things that rulers never are. Yeah. Everything falls apart when they leave. That's right. And humans destroy everything. But then humans show up and fuck everything up, too. But humans solve that problem again. But also, they're not your standard white European Christian humans. That's true. Who come and mess everything up. C.S. Lewis. Yes, it's true. I mean, the other people are Europeans, but they're Muslims, probably. So not white Christians. Right. Exactly. And... Prince Caspian is this destined, like, sovereign, chosen by Aslan, uh, to be the ruler of the Narnians. He blows the horn, and the Narnians are like, oh, you fulfilled the prophecy? Okay, great, you're in charge, you're our king. Right. But even in the context of the movie, like, Prince Caspian is just, like, one especially good chosen boy, because there's a part of this movie... That makes, I don't know what the source material does with this, but in the movie, after Peter and Miraz's sword fight, when Miraz's troops are just like, oh, we're going to just pretend that the Narnians or that the Pevensies like cheated and killed Miraz, and then we're just going to keep this battle going anyways. There's no reason for this other than to just make the Talmoranes seem like the most cartoonishly evil people. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. just like, ah, oh, we want to just fight for no fucking reason. Like, we just want to oppress these people. We're just comically evil. And it just further pushes this idea that Caspian is, oh God, the good one of their group, of their entire culture. Yeah. Oh shit, this is so bad. Yeah, because... Then it shows later when the Narnians and Telmarines are living together and they've accepted Aslan's rule. Yeah. And like his supremacy as like the god. Yes. Then suddenly they're redeemable because they're following the Christian lion god. Yes. (laughs) So that's equally bad. Yeah. And there's a scene, right, where Caspian is considering taking the deal with the White Witch. And he's being heavily coerced into doing it. Yeah. But he's gonna do it. He's tempted, nonetheless. Oh, he's going to. He's at, he's interrupted, which is why it doesn't happen. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He's going all in. He yeah. doesn't know who she is. <laughs> to be fair, Edmund took the deal in the first movie. Yeah. But Edmund was, like, young and influenceable. Yeah, it's just, uh, I feel like Caspian does not get enough character of his own. Oh, yeah. Barely any. He's just like, God said I'm going to lead the indigenous population, and I'm a nice young man. (laughs) Isn't this a two-hour movie? Two and a half. I wish it was two hours. And in all that time, they didn't give him much character development. Mm -mm. The movie named after him. I mean, I guess to be fair, they don't show a lot of the two towers in the two towers. (laughs) (laughs) And like in the return of the king, like we only see the king or we only see Aragorn of the king for like five minutes. (laughs) 
And, <laughs> and during part of that time, he's bowing to the hobbits. Well, that's okay. I guess I can't help but also bring up the fact that Ben Barnes is a English actor doing a borderline offensive Spanish accent to play there, Prince Caspian. There's no borderline about it. <laughs> okay, doing a unacceptable accent to play Prince Caspian. Yes. But yeah, so far we have not seen a hero from Narnia yeah. who rises True. up to save the Narnians. Trumpkin, like, helps. Or a Narnian that, like, comes to Earth. Like, that would have been... A That's Nar what I want to see. A Narnian that comes to Earth to get the Pevensies themselves. Like... Oh. What time do these movies take place? The 40s. So, a Narnian nice. comes to fight Hitler? Not a Narnian. What? Yeah, it's the 40s, right? A Narnian comes to Earth to save Earth. From Hitler. Oh, wow. Inglorious Narnians. <laughs> uh, this is my rewriting history for this film. <laughs> it's Inglorious Bastards meet cool. Narnia, meets Narnia. Yeah. A satyr shows up and machine guns Hitler. It would be better to have had some exchange and like, I mean, just stop doing prophecies for once in your goddamn lives anyway. I don't think we'd have a career at this podcast if it wasn't for prophecies. Yeah. Oh, it's I... just that Narnia is shown as this beautiful, whimsical land, uh, but no, it cannot rule itself, and it can't take care of itself. I know. Fuck, it's, it's seriously just the English perception of every other country. Like, Asla yeah. that, this is what I'm saying. Aslan sends humans in to fix things. Yeah, and humans are notoriously bad at that. Oh. Humans ruined everything in Narnia, that and only humans can fix it. That means that Aslan is enacting manifest destiny. Yes. I mean, Aslan is God, so... Meowniffest destiny. Because <laughs> he's a cat. All right, well, on that note, I think it's time to head into the smithy. <laughs> Welcome to the smithy, where we each forge a rating for this movie after we share an epic moment or feature from the film. Prince Cass. <laughs> oh. Do you want to tell us your epic moment or feature and then give us a rating from one to ten lion's claws? Oh, shit. I do. Damn, Jamie. That was all pretty epic already. Yeah. yeah that yeah. was the epic moment. No. <laughs> um, I think my epic feature is Mr. Badger Man. Oh, good pick. <laughs> I don't nice. know his name. Not the mouse? <laughs> I'll yeah, leave I'm, that to somebody else. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's fair. The badger. I don't know his name. But he was great. <laughs> we didn't even talk about the horrendous violence in this movie. <laughs> that might be my epic feature. A thousand. How fucking Dude, brutal it is. I know, they were killing the people. The kill count. Um, I just love how eloquent he was. And he's like so faithful, even though we were just shitting all over that. Um, he's a true believer. He, he has is. hope. It's admirable. You know, he knows all about the horn and the prophecy and he has hope and he wants to get along with everybody and he's a healer. Like, what's not to like? He's a great guy. Yeah. I like that badger, dude. 
Yeah, no, he's and he, he drinks tea. He has a nice little house inside of a tree. I want to be a guest in his house. He had strict rules about being kind to guests oh, and nice. not killing them. Um, yeah. What a bar. <laughs> uh, I think I'd like to be his friend. He had strict rules about not killing guests, which applies to uh, someone who belongs to the group of invaders that tried to genocide their people. So that means he's he, very polite. He really sticks to his morals. Yeah, that's good there. So yeah, he's great. Uh, in terms of the movie as a whole, I, I just think it doesn't work as well the narrative as the first movie. Agreed. Yeah. And it is kind of like less coherent, I guess, than the first one. Yeah. And and the, no Santa Claus. The way they transition. Yeah. I mean, be- yeah. Between the worlds is garbage. Oh um, God. Yeah. No wardrobe. They just- are just <laughs> standing there, and then they're suddenly in Narnia. I'm like, what the fuck? Rumple teaser on? tingles their butts. <laughs> I don't understand if there are any rules to this setting at all. Teases their rumple. Yeah. <laughs> Which is frustrating <laughs> as hell. Yeah. But anyway. Aslan works in mysterious yeah, ways. Yeah, fuck it. I'm giving it two out of ten claws. Okay, nice. That's fair. That is a devastating rating. Yeah. That is the rating, just for the record, that you gave to Monster Hunter. Well, I'm just as pissed off after having watched it. I, I think Monster Hunter is a more cohesive film than this one. But I... I <laughs> this was, is blasphemy I think, against Aslan. <laughs> I think both of them bored me, which is too bad. Yeah. This was two and a Monster half Monster Hunter was more boring. Really? Yes. But way shorter. Was it? I'm pretty sure Monster Hunter, the nice tight 90. It felt like a million hours. (laughs) I remember I wished pain upon the characters of Monster Hunter, which I don't often do. This one, I was just like, how much longer do we have? And then I realized we're like only halfway through probably. Never a good feeling. Then after that, you said, I was like, oh, surely we're almost done. You're like, well, there's another hour left. I was like, how? (laughs) Can what there else be is there? Another hour. It seemed like the end of the movie when you said that. It yeah. really did. I was like, oh, we must be close to done. Nope. Oh my god. There's that bear. So yeah. It says for Aslan. <laughs> oh, oh, he was pretty great though. Oh, uh, that was... gives it another point one claw. No, I'm sticking with the two out of ten. <laughs> sure. One of those stars is the bear. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one is for the badger, one is for the bear. Oh yeah. That's it. Hold on. What, what about Ed- What about for Eddie Izzard? Oh sh- shit. She's in both. The mouse on the badger is like equal to a bear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's how physics works, but sure. I never seen a mammal before. <laughs> what about you, Jack? What's your epic moment or feature in your rating from one to ten lion's claws? Well, you know, for me, my epic moment or feature has got to be freaking, it's freaking Edmund. Oh. You do love Edmund. Edmund is the prodigal son. Yes. Edmund is the Judas redeemed. Uh, let I me, do like that. Let me frame this for the audience. Please do. So first off, explain who Judas is. Well, 
In the so, beginning. Sorry. First off, explain <laughs> what religion is. Do it in a way that will not offend anybody. Oh. <laughs> Commonly shared beliefs. Yeah, okay. <laughs> now. I don't agree with that. <laughs> I'll kill you for this. <laughs> Edmund. God. Edmund is the younger brother of the Pevensies. In the first movie, he was tempted by the White Witch, and uh, he sold out his family to her. For some Turkish delights. For some treats, and for favor to be more likable to her. For the Turkish for, for the Turkish delights of, good and e- of the knowledge of good and evil. That's right. He... He just didn't want to feel like a piece of shit for once in his yeah, life. Yeah, his family made him feel bad, and so he sided with someone who gave him false promises of affection. Yeah. yeah. And, uh... Understandable. When he realized that she was toxic... Yeah. <laughs> and Satan, uh... <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he went back to his family after Aslan sacrificed himself in order to get Edmund his freedom again. The fact that he saw what was wrong by the person who was conditioning him to be a reactionary... And changed himself is very commendable. And he's only like 12. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah. And Aslan, God, kills him, lets himself be killed. So (laughs) fucking Roblox. uh, (laughs) Aslan. uh, A little bit different, I guess. Aslan allows himself to be killed in order to get Edmund his freedom again. Aslan is martyred, I would say. Yeah. And so... Edmund has been through that. He helped save Narnia. He ruled as a Narnian king for a number of years, came back to being a kid. Now, he is someone who fucked up royally. And religiously. Exactly. But he was he's a member of his family again. He served he was he was someone who has been redeemed. The prodigal son, he left and he came back. We love it. Yeah. Now, in this movie... Love a good redemption arc. There is the Narnians versus the Talmarines, and the Narnians are united against the Talmarines. However, the Narnians were racially separated onto Aslan's side and the White Witch's side. Yes. And though that was 1,300 years ago, there are still ripples of that conflict in this film. Yes. And uh, the dwarves who sided with the White Witch, uh, one of them brings Caspian into the room where Aslan had been slain, and they try to get Caspian Caspian to bring back the White Witch, and they're saying, yeah, the Talmarines are super evil, why not get someone who we know is strong enough to kick their ass, right? Yeah. They were, the White Witch was so tough, she had Aslan's ass beat for a hundred years, right? She will win you this war in a heartbeat. Yeah, compelling argument. And so, and Aslan is nowhere to be found. Just summon the adversary. Right. Aslan is nowhere to be found. What do you mean? He's everywhere. You're just not looking for him. That's right. Oh, uh, you know, <laughs> When I hold my child, that's where Aslan (laughs) But uh, yeah, so there's no evidence that Aslan is going to come save them. 
Here's the White Witch manifest before Prince Caspian. That's right. But it's the vibe is in shambles. <laughs> because <laughs> it's so true. Her yeah. followers are fucking evil maniacs. Just like the most yeah. like evil seeming creatures we've seen in this movie. There's like I'm famine and I could not eat for a hundred years. Yeah, Whoa, there's, down on there's the fucking bloodborne monster <laughs> and then like the bird creature. <laughs> like sorry, the featherless bird monster. And Caspian is rightfully like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, he reacts exactly the way that you would react to this situation. <laughs> yeah, there's like a there's like a featherless bird person chanting in like demonic. And there's like a, a wolf man who's like, I can drink a river of blood and not burst. And Caspian is like, I don't like this very much, actually. And then they cut his hand. <laughs> yeah. After summoning the white witch and they're like give her your blood and then he's like oh I really don't like this he's gonna do it good things rarely come from wanting blood sacrifice but he's gonna do it sure he's being heavily compelled but he is gonna do it who fucking shuts it down you see the white witch a sword stabs (laughs) through her stomach and the ice shatters, it's Edmund. Edmund impales Edmund, who had a sword cock. Who already sided with her and saw how he... <laughs> Why his cock? <laughs> it's just he a sword. That's how you thrust a sword. And what <laughs> and what stops the ritual? But a one-hour sex scene between Edmund <laughs> and the White Witch. <laughs> That's illegal. <laughs> yeah. This is a children's movie. Yeah, I was just as troubled as the rest of you. Uh and but you know, Edmund is the one who shuts it down. Someone who had been tempted by her in the past, sided with her and saw what bad came of it, and he is the one who makes sure she doesn't come back again. Yeah, he's like, nope. He protects the world from her. He's like, I made that mistake, and now I'm the one to fix it. Yeah, that's pretty good. So it's like, ooh, Edmund, ooh, you're on fire, brother. Yeah, because Peter was actually tempted for a hot sec. Peter was tempted. Caspian was tempted. Edmund stabs her and starts doing a Fortnite dance. (laughs) T-posing over her dead corpse. It's badass. So Edmund... Freaking best arc so far, in my opinion. That's Maybe true. only arc so far. Maybe that's why he makes it to the next movie. Like, only arc so far. Let's go. Seriously, only real arc. That's right. But the movie as a whole, it has a few moments like stars in the night sky that shine for me in a void of darkness. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. There are such... Long sections of dragginess. There's the bear that's suddenly there just in the council That's chamber. it. He's not a part of the story until like the last quarter. And then suddenly he's a character for a few scenes. It's because, oh, they, murder a, it's because they murder a bear earlier in the movie. Jack- so like we got to get a bear in here to redeem <laughs> I ourselves. Jackie and I, when that was coming up, we're like looking at each other like, what the fuck? If you were a human in that room and suddenly a bear's just there, like, how long have you been standing there? For Aslan. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Oh, Aslan. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Aslan. Oh, yeah, good, good. It's 
the yeah. first time you've said something Aslan. in like weeks. What the <laughs> fuck? Uh, yeah. So there were some scenes that were really good, but a lot of scenes where it was trying to establish like setting, like conflicts, like all these dynamics. It was too much. It was too much yeah. and it wasn't enough. They were trying to establish something? They were trying to establish medieval political struggle Game of Thrones style, but I didn't care about Game of Thrones. But this was a kid's movie. Talk to me when your kid's movie has trade negotiations. <laughs> uh, so, too long, too long, too long. Uh, I'm going to give the movie uh, four... Lion claws and long lion claws and a horn out of ten. A lion horn? No, uh, like a horn that you blow. Ah, uh, wow, that that's that's a surprisingly high rating. Now here's the reason. I've seen this movie <laughs> quite a few times. Okay. Because I had it on a DVD, and I'd watch it on road trips. Okay. Oh. And uh, I liked the first movie a lot. And this was the next movie. <laughs> it was. And that is the most accurate thing we can say about this movie. It is the most second film in the series. <laughs> and uh, I think it's fine. It's kind of boring. Like, I didn't think the movie was shit. So I'm not going to give it like a lower rating. There are parts of it I liked. It's just like, it's not worth seeing more than once, but I think if you like the series, seeing it once is fine. My life is not damaged for having seen it the no. way it was after, like, Monster Hunter. Yeah. <laughs> you guys really hated Monster Hunter, and I do not understand. It awful. Or, like, Nutcracker in the Four Realms. Oh. I could still rewatch that one. Yeah, you can have Christmas it. Christmas Train. Christmas Train. Which, you know, has a weird gaslighting effect. It does. It's the yeah. hot chocolate. <laughs> Don't let it cool. The gas is the steam that comes off of your molten chocolate. Thank you. Uh, but yeah, four and a half out of ten. All uh, right. It's, you know, it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Hey, this is a completely subjective rating system. It's fucking fine. It's fucking fine, dude. <laughs> What about you, Jamie? What is your epic moment and or feature and rating out of 10 big, ginormous Liam Neeson claws? <laughs> I always forget that Liam Neeson has claws. Yeah. Okay, this is a weird one, but since we didn't really <laughs> talk about it during the episode, my epic feature is the horrendous violence that is committed against people in this film. Okay. Children love that. This is a... I'm pretty sure a PG rated movie with an R level of violence, dismemberment, and mayhem. Yes. Do you know what is the difference? No <laughs> blood. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's okay because it's in the name of Aslan. Yeah, I guess so. You know, in uh, China, they censor blood. And so in a lot of anime, they'll just make it white. <laughs> Unbelievable. No. Nuh-uh. Un yes, huh. Uncanny. Yes, huh. You can find <laughs> clips of it. That is... 
Wow. There's a scene in a Chainsaw Man. <laughs> oh, God. And uh, there's a scene where they're using a blood bag to pour blood into two people's mouths. And they're, like, <laughs> lapping it up. <laughs> and Bo was just like, you know, they censor it in China. And I'm just like, they make it white. And he's like, yes, they do. I'm like, oh, Unbelievable. Lord. Just for the record, people are thrown off of buildings. Whoops. Their throats are cut. Their sl- their throats are slit. Their they, eyes are pierced. Yeah, Eddie Izzard, who we have barely talked about, plays the mouse and Reaper Cheap. Reaper Cheap, classic Christian name. Can we censor that? <laughs> <laughs> Stab the guy through both eyes with his pin sword. Yeah. Um. <laughs> oh my God. They stabbed the white witch through the stomach. Yeah. <laughs> With a dick. They, mu- <laughs> they murder a bear in the very beginning. Yeah. This movie, I mean, they they bash in heads. They knock off a building. Like, I'm pretty sure Edmund, like, rides a griffin and drop kicks a guy off the battlements of a castle. And is just like, ha ha, fucking killed you, idiot. Like, I think that's the actual dialogue. <laughs> Every PG movie gets one F word. <laughs> no, that's not how that works. There is so much wholesale slaughter in this movie. The arrows puncture people. Yeah, that's right. Arrow attack. I mean, they murder mirrors. But I mean, let's be honest. There's a war. Uh, there's like a battle scene in the first movie. There's a lot of killing then, too. Oh, yeah. Tons. But it's so much more graphic in this film. We see a tiger take a man down with yes. its teeth. I think one of those CGI like YouTube channels needs to do the bloody cut of this. Yeah. Yes. And just buckets of blood. And there are trebuchets, like, taking out, like, tire squadrons, Narnians. There are tree roots bashing people. The river consuming people. Yeah, the the river eats a horse. The river guy should just be turning red. The more he's (laughs) just... I was more distraught about the horses, honestly. Oh, sure. I was like, what did they ever do to you? So, I mean, I guess just the epic feature is how shocked I was by the wholesale slaughter in this film. Oh, yeah. I forgot that was your feature. Thousands die. Yeah. Yeah. Thousands. Actually. So, all in all, I was originally planning on giving this movie a higher rating, but I'm pretty sure you guys talked me down. So, I'm going to match Cass's two out of ten Lion Claws. (laughs) It's just not very good. It's two and a half hours of some of the most boring, meaningless action. I genuinely, I don't remember what I gave the first film, but I genuinely have good memories about like the Santa Claus it's scene. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. The stuff with like, I definitely like like it a little bit more because of the winter setting. Like I, I enjoy that in a, yeah. in a visual style. Um, but it's like, it's got more personality and character. The rules of the world feel more consistent the morals are way more clear. Yeah. Which is yeah. what the movie's all about. Like, what are the morals of this movie? Hereditary monarchy is totally fine and good. And, you know, if you disagree with somebody, just go murder them. It works. Fuck it, man. Yeah. Just summon a river demon to eat them. Yeah. Um. Don't kill people. Let God do it. That's That's right. Kill them all and let God sort them out or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's disappointingly vapid, I think. And, like, we never find out why Miraz's, like, generals 
are like, oh yeah, fuck the Narnians, like, even though he's dead. Like, there's just no reason. Like, if they were using him as a puppet, they should have established that in the movie. But they seem... It seems like Mirage is like an iron-fisted dictator. Yeah. So it would have made much more sense for them to kill him and be like, yeah, like, we don't want to go to war with you. We don't want to lose a bunch of people in a pointless battle against innocent people. But we don't get that either. Yeah. It's just not very fun. Yeah. And really, that's the worst crime that a movie can commit. It's a fantasy movie. Having it not be fun is sort of like the worst. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I mean, the only worst crime a movie can commit is destroying labor practices. So I guess in yeah. light of that, this movie's slightly better than The Hobbit. I guess so. But do you guys know what is a lot of fun? What? What the fuck? Getting the vote on movies. Oh, you know what? And our patrons are doing that right now. Exactly. And we're going to be watching a movie they voted on next week. So, Cass, what's in the running for next week? We've got The Adventures of Baron Munchausen, Treasure Planet, The Monkey King. Ooh. A monkey. And The Bridge to Terabithia. Wow. I've seen some of these movies. And I remember one of them. Yeah, good. But I'll let you decide which those are. <laughs> but yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait to see what they pick. Yeah, our patrons, you know, are just the best people in the world and always pick awesome movies, and it's so much fun to talk about them. But there are ways that people can keep up with what we're doing on the show. I think Jamie knows a little something about that. Oh, I know ways of making people talk to us on social media, and that's going to... Facebook, Instagram, or the stinking husk of Twitter. Stinky. And following us at Swords and Satire. Putrid, rancid corpse of the bird. Thank you. That's how you can keep up with the show, find out what we're watching every week, and look at our memes. And if you want to get in touch with us, it's one of the best ways to reach out. That's true. But... Like we already mentioned, if you want to support the show, there's a good way of doing that. And that's by going to patreon.com slash swords and satire and joining our patron community. Because it's supporters like them that help us keep the torches lit here at Castle Satire. That's right. But that's not the only way you can support us. It's not? No, of course not. What the hell? (laughs) Oh, sorry. Jeez. No, there's another great way you can support us. (laughs) It's by supporting yourself by sharing some of your favorite things with some of your favorite people. Oh, and and this show is one of their favorite things, apparently. That's right, because what is art for if not to bring us closer together? It provides a sense of community. Listener, listen thyself. That's right. It is so useful to us if you tell your friends and your family about the show We primarily spread it just through word of mouth, and it is very useful. And We uh, spread like a virus. We love you. I I was saying something nice. You're spreading a plague. Sorry. A fun (laughs) plague. So, uh, like an infection, go out there, you know? And infect people's brains by telling them about our show. And just like... How people learn to love cats. That's right. It's the night of your anniversary. You've put flowers on the bed. You've lit candles around the room. 
you bring your partner in and you play something sexy, like our Beauty and the Beast intro <laughs> on our episode. <laughs> that gets them every time. That's right. All right. Well, until next time. Hail, Hail Crom. Crom. Sorry, no. Sorry, sorry, sorry.